be still and know that I am God. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us as we were reminded at the very beginning of this service. For who you are, Father, and then for what you've done. We pray, Father, that your word may speak to us today in the name of Jesus and help us to understand it and take it in. Father, it's just really important that we know you through Jesus as Saviour, Father. And we just pray you'll reveal that to everybody in this building today or that may watch this later. We pray for a saving experience from sins in Jesus' name. We also pray, Father, if we do know Jesus, that you might really minister to us today and help us understand what it is you're asking us to do in obedience to you and your kingdom and your fellowship and your church here in your beginnings. And we thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Just pray that you'll encourage everybody here with your presence and what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, just as I speak today, the title I have here is, it's maybe a wee bit loud. <laughs> um, being a church that loves God and loves each other. You know, this is a church, we call this church New Beginnings Church. Quite a good name, don't you think? Everybody who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation, the Bible tells us. The old has gone, the old man, the old life, the old sin. And we come to Jesus, he wants to give us a new beginning, a new start. Not that our life restarts, but Jesus says you can be born spiritually, you can be born again. Yes? And that's grounded on the good news, sometimes, of course, called gospel. Good news, and don't we need good news these days? Deary me. Yeah? Turn on your TV set and you're ready to turn it back off again. Correct? But you know, there's always been bad news in this world. It's a fallen world. It's a world which men and women have been born into a sinful state since Adam and Eve went against God's plan. So it has fallen things happening. What do I mean? It has bad things happening. It has evil things happening. There are wrong things happening. And if you turn on your TV set, you'll get very depressed if you keep your TV on too long. Which is why I would encourage you, as I would encourage myself, turn this book news on. Yes? And I say this to myself, and I'm not preaching to someone who has anywhere near worked out how to live the most brilliant Christian life. That's me. But I love Jesus. That's step number one of getting right with God is you love Jesus. Jesus says, no one comes to God the Father except through who? Me, Jesus. Who did Jesus declare he was? It's been said there, God's only begotten son. Who is Jesus? God. God is one. The Lord our God, the God is one. You know, why am I saying that? Because the world is awful confused these days about, is there even a God? And if they do have a concept of God, they don't know him often. They speak about God as an abstract being, <coughs> without a name, or with a wrong name. 
But how do I know this? God is real. God is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. One God, but three persons in the Godhead. These are things I was taught as a young boy growing up. I was fortunate enough and blessed, I would say is the best word, blessed, to be brought up in a Christian home with a Christian grandparents on either side who loved Jesus, Christian parents that loved Jesus. And I know that's not normal. It's certainly not normal on the 14th of August, 2022 in Moodysburg, is it? It's not. And it's really sad to say that, but it's not normal to be in a Christian home. And that's why we've got a mission here. Why does the Church of Jesus Christ exist? Question. There's a few reasons. Yes, to worship God, but it's, it's a commissioned body. It's a commissioned gathering of believers that are told to go and do what? Preach the gospel and actually even better, make disciples. You know, so first of all, tell them like my grandparents used to tell me that Jesus is real son. God's real son. And you need to trust them. That's what I was told my grandparents. Guess what? You're now the grandparents of everybody out there. Yeah? You're the, you're the spiritual parents and the grandparents of everybody in Middlesbrough and everybody you come into contact with. Why do I say this? Because church is a family. It's supposed to operate on that. It's supposed to have grannies and parents and aunties and uncles and brothers and sisters. That's why the Bible uses these terms. It's not some cult. And this is the thing today. Everyone's really scared about church these days. You think it's some kind of weird cult. And it's not. But this is what the average person thinks. People have said this on the streets of Middlesbrough to me. They don't understand it. So guess who needs to tell them that it's okay? Who's going to tell them? You and me. All of us. Because someday your neighbour needs to hear that the church is okay because God's, so, God's more than okay. God's amazing. And there is such a thing as a healthy Christian church. Did you know that? Some people are scratching their heads these days looking for a church that they can be loved in. Looking for a church that loves God and loves people. They shouldn't be scratching their head doing that, should they? Because they should be everywhere. Because Christians are meant to be everywhere. And Christians are meant to gather as a church. And they're meant to love God and love people. But how come I talk to lots of people who tell me they get to church and they don't feel loved? <coughs> how can that happen? It can happen because we're not showing love. It is possible for to be a Christian and to not be showing love. Or to say you're a Christian. Or are you a Christian? Because the evidence of being a Christian, one of the best evidences of being a Christian, Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, Jesus said to his disciples, which flows down to all of us who say we love Jesus. Love one another, command. Love one another. Not an optional extra, not if you're feeling like it. Not if your life's going great or it's going miserable. Love one another, command at all times. And how are we to love each other? As I have loved you. So that's the standard. You think, wow, I can't have that standard. And no, you can't. <laughs> We're never as perfect as God, but He changes us. And one of the evidences that you're a, a 
truly born again believer in Jesus is there's a love in your heart for God that you never had before. Who can identify with what I'm saying? You have a love for God. You, you don't just know God. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. You don't say that before you know God. You can't say that because you don't even know him. But the minute you know him and you receive true salvation, one thing that happens is, I really love you, God. I really love you. I don't just know you. I love you. And I feel your love for me. That's a miracle, isn't it? That's something only God can do. That's a big number one evidence that you are saved and you are a true Christian, is you're not just singing these words today. You genuinely, although you've never seen him and you can't fathom him, you love this God and you love him because he loved you first and he sent his son Jesus for God so loved you and me that he gave. Hallelujah. That's, that's a miracle. So a wee test of t spiritual temperature. Am I a Christian? Do I love God? And you know, sometimes circumstances in life can weigh us down and weigh me down. You know, I have problems. We all do. But one thing I'm not losing, I'm trying really not to ever lose, is my love for God. Right? It's a pr top priority. It's number one way you stay healthy as a Christian. Love God. You love him through his word. Read it. Pray. Believe. Trust in who he is and what he's done. So far I've not even went to any of my notes. Apologies. <laughs> but I'm trusting God for this. Do we understand? Does everyone understand? Yeah? It's so important and equally for anyone listening to this in the future, it's so important that we understand the good news is by Jesus as personal saviour alone, by faith alone, by grace, unmerited favour alone. And the test of knowing that you really love God is the most important test to pass. And it's evidenced by a changed life. People should notice a difference in you. And again, don't get down on yourself when life gets tough and you suddenly don't feel like doing the things that you want to do because God is not finished with you. We've been spending a lot of time in Philippians recently, haven't we? Philippians 1. He who has started a good work in you, God has started a good work in you, will carry on to completion. So God is the one doing the work. You're his masterpiece according to Ephesians 2. So how come we don't always feel like that, do you think? Circumstances, yeah, pressures of life, yeah, anything else? It's important to be open and talk about these things and I'm trusting that God's really going to build us up in this fellowship. Do you believe God's helping you here? He is, isn't he? He's working in us and as we gather together, God has a work to accomplish. So being a church that God loves God, that loves God and loves each other. Uh, the passage today is Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And I've not got an awful lot of points here, just three points. And what I'm going to say potentially might sound really, really simple. <laughs> and I actually think the principles are really simple, but they're not always done. They're not always practiced. They're not always as healthy as they should be in our lives or in our fellowship. And I'm going to just read from Acts 2, 
verse 42, and I'll just pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I do pray that you will speak, and you will just overshadow everything that is said here. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 2, 42, they, that's the believers, this is the new Christians who have, some of them are just brand new Christians, just just came to know Jesus as personal saviour. And some of them are also disciples who had known Jesus for a few of those years, right? And had walked with him and been taught by them. So you've got people who knew Jesus more and Jesus has already died and, and been resurrected again and went to heaven and sent God's Holy Spirit. And don't wonder, worry if you need to go over and learn that stuff, but that's what had happened. And the church were filled with God's spirit and empowered to speak this good news that I'm talking about. This was the first example of a church existing where they were doing the things I'm talking about at the start of this message, where they were, they were commissioned to go and speak to the people on the streets, right? And they were commissioned to go and tell, tell others about Jesus so that they can receive this message and, and also join the group effectively. Yeah. So that's the context. They, this group of, it says 3,000 people were saved. Dear us how big the group might have been. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And this is referring to the disciples and those early leaders, those sent ones is what the word apostle means, who were leading. It's important, you need leadership in the church, don't you? And they had these leaders who had been taught and, and, and many sat at the feet of Jesus, learning from him, learning from the scriptures, and teaching it. So that's the context. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 45. They, all of them, uh, sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we pray God will bless the reading of his holy word today. I want to talk about three aspects of what it means to be a church that loves God and loves each other in a healthy fashion. What does it mean for us? What should we be applying practically in our lives? I would suggest the first thing is your personal commitment your personal commitment to the Lord and, and to the fellowship. And how did this work itself out in the example we've given of this early church gathering of believers? It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. But what were they devoting themselves to, do you think? From the passage there to the apostles teaching yeah you don't think of it like that do you coming to a church gathering or coming to a fellowship an act of devotion like an act of obedience <coughs> and then you see a word like fellowship what does that mean fellowship means a friendly group of people a friendly group of people meeting to pursue a shared interest or aim. And in the context of the Church of Jesus Christ, it's more than a friendly people, it's a, it's a loving people, isn't it? 
meeting to pursue a shared interest. What, what is that interest in here in this context? It's Christ, it's Jesus as Saviour, it's God the Father, it's being obedient to the command to go and tell others, it's being obedient to the commands. And remember, Jesus gave a command about the communion. John taught wonderfully last week about communion. Very thankful to John for that. Because again, it's a concept that often people don't understand these days because they're not brought up in that. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me, the bread symbolizing my body broken for you and the cup symbolizing my blood shed for you because without, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. And Jesus is represented as a perfect sacrifice. And he said, this do, this breaking of bread and the cup until I come, right? In remembrance of me. So he gave this as a, not an optional thing, as a plan. Now, there's not a prescriptive thing saying how many times you do that, but it's, it certainly should be part of the church on a regular basis. And here at the moment, we have that once a month on a Sunday morning. Sometimes people do it more than that, but the important thing is we're doing it, yes? And they were applying the principles and saying, what are the things Jesus has told us to do? And that's one of the critical things he told them to do, yeah? And that's an act of worship, that's an act of commitment. It takes commitment to come to the to come to a gathering, doesn't it? You have to put off other things. You have to prioritize. And what's the result of not just a gathering? This is not just a fellowship like a club, <laughs> you know? And I'm saying that with all respect and reverence. But sometimes today people might look in church as a social gathering, and, and it is that to a certain extent, of course it is. But it's a worship gathering, it's a it's an upward look, it's Uncle Sandy almost, he must have been reading the sermon <laughs> because effectively he said that earlier, he said we might have all of these things going on, but it's so important to connect with God because that's what we're here for. It's an upward gathering. It's a collection of people up looking to God, to his word, focusing on God, being obedient like communion. And those are the healthy conditions. So a church that is doing that and really doing that, and that's why I say this sounds simple, but it's not always happening. Because you can go through emotions, can't you? And your heart can be far from the Lord. Why does it say in 1 Corinthians 11 that you have to pray before you take the bread and the cup? And you have to examine yourselves? Because in the context of Corinthians, they were, they were arguing with each other. There, there was disagreement. There was lack of serving one another. Some were taking more food than others, and others were going hungry. So we had a church that wasn't really exhibiting a true heart of love. They were doing the bread, they were doing communion, they were taking part in communion, but they were doing it in the wrong way, with the wrong love. They weren't showing love to God and showing love to others because they were, they were the behavior didn't show up. Does that make sense? So that's why I'm saying this, and I'm not being critical to you beginnings. I just want us to be the healthiest version of Jesus' church and God's church that we can ever be because everybody needs to see the real thing. You know, not a perfect thing. I need to say that you're saved by God's grace and you're maintained by God's grace, but he does expect us to progress. Monko Sandy often says that technical word sanctification, when God is working by his spirit in a real Christian experience, when he's really saved you, you'll know the difference. And he keeps working. And he, Uncle Sandy says, sanctification of God's work in you is becoming a bit more like Jesus every day. Now that's not you doing that, that's God, and that's how you know you're a Christian. Because although we make mistakes and we fall down, you're not where you were yesterday. Like even just having a love for God is a work in progress. Do you know that? 
even just if you say to yourself, you know, I might not have done what I should have done, and I know what I should have done and I didn't do, and I've asked for God to forgive me. But you know what? I love God, and I think I love him more than I did yesterday. That's really good, isn't it? That's good. Yeah? That's really good. I've not been in church in a while. Okay. All right. That's something that's happened. But how do you feel right now? Do you feel God's love more than you did yesterday? I believe that God's working in you. The answer to that question will most likely be yes. I love him more today. Because God continues that work of love in us. He doesn't stop. <coughs> he keeps telling us. Our, our brother Kenny Moffat says, God loves you before you brush your hair in the morning. But it's even more critical than that. God loves you through your sin as a Christian. That's quite a shocking statement, isn't it? You know, Christians who sin, grace, God's favour still is there for you. It doesn't mean you should keep sinning, according to Romans 6, 7 and 8. If you go and read that, many of you know that. So a Christian is possible, of course it is. We all sin as Christians and fall short, just like we always did. But God is working in us to reduce the sin in our lives and to remove and replace it with God. It's plan and purpose and spirit, isn't that true? So as a Christian, please do not have your head bowed in the wrong sense. Godly sorrow leads us to say sorry to God. Confession, like it's on the wall out there, is a daily thing. We all need to do it because we all sin and fall short and ask God to empower us and make us a bit more like Jesus and to love him more. That makes sense? So the result here, there's some really positive results. They devoted themselves, did their best to love God and be obedient to what Jesus had said and the scriptures were telling them. And everyone, everyone was filled with awe. Their heads were up. Yes? Not because of their perfection, because of God's perfection, because they were adoring him. They were devoting themselves and their hearts to God, to love God and love their brothers and sisters. Is that true? I'm excited by that because then it's possible, it must be possible for us to be the same. And there's wonders and signs and <coughs> healings and all sorts. So I would say the key behaviour principle here for us to adopt is the word devotion, okay? So devotion means love, having love or loyalty or service or enthusiasm directed towards another person or to a particular activity. Yes. I'm not saying any more about that, but I'm hoping you just maybe just remember some of these key behaviors and just every time you gather, you're thinking about these things. Okay. Commitment, behavior of devotion. Secondly, uh, they exhibited community, or they made sure they were in community. Verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. You know, they were physically together and we have that word community, which I think is a, a fairly well understood word in, in our society today, isn't it? And we think of community spirit and how we can look after folks in our local community. So in the, in the church context, this is about believers in Jesus gathering together, but not only gathering, gathering in a certain way, having everything in common. Wow. As you look around the room today, do you think you've got everything in common with the person round about you? 
I'm not, I'm not, it's a slightly funny comment. Um, <laughs> I actually looked up what this, these words mean, and it's a wee bit, you know, when you look at the original text, it's, there's not really anything more in there, you know, like regarding what the meaning is. It's just, it's just simply, they were all in one place and they were, they had in common and they were together, but really together. They weren't just physically together, they were, and I was searching going, Lord, what's more than that? But I remember Kenny Borthwick saying, Lord, the Lord keeps telling him to just keep things more simple. <laughs> and uh, he's a really anointed preacher, so I'm just going to keep it simple. But what I'm going to say today is that sounds easy. And that sounds like it should just be happening, but it's not always happening in churches. You know, you can walk in and out and nobody speaks to you. That shouldn't happen. I'm not saying it happens here. Unfortunately, people say it's not like that here. But it's just a wee sanity check, yeah? All of us are responsible for this. So if somebody walks in that door right now, all of us have got to smile at them, yeah? Because they're going to be freaking out, coming into a place, what is this I'm walking into? Even if they're a Christian, it's a bit of a scary thing, isn't it? Walking into a church and you don't know these people. So all of you are responsible for the community. You're all responsible to go and say, hi, brilliant to see you, who are you, you know? And you, this church, just to say this church is really good at that, but it doesn't mean we should just stop and just think we've got it. Yeah, the church is an activity for all of us. So I'm encouraging you. This is our job: be together and have everything in common. And everybody that comes in should feel that. Of course, they've got their faith in common, and that's the thing that grounds us. Our love for God is the commonality. Yeah. Again, this is not just a club. It's not just a the snooker club. It's. A love of God, it's a salvation experience, it's a connection in common. But everybody that comes in that doesn't know that, or is new to that, should feel the same welcome. But they were active more than that. They were, as a community, they weren't just like, hi, great to see you and smile at people. They sold property, verse 45, and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And don't misread me this morning, I'm not saying you should all be, um, selling up and doing all of these things and that's not what I'm saying and this is not a call and giving but it's interesting that the standard that's given to the Christian church is quite high isn't it in terms of making sure that your brother and sister that their needs are met yeah that's the way I would phrase this if you see a brother and sister in need what are we doing what are you doing about it yeah and it's the whole group and say just the leaders sold property and possessions or gave from their own wealth it says they all did and there was like that was one of the ways they're expressing god's love to each other now i'm glad to say new beginnings is is i would say a healthy place for people doing that but can i challenge you let's do more and it's not just a practical giving it's the giving of your time and i've written some notes around here i better get back to my notes <laughs> um so I talked about who, who are they giving to, how are they directing their giving? Well, they're giving to other believers. Again, that's something which is a demonstration of love and Jesus commanded love one another. Love is an active thing. It's not just a smile. How are you doing? Yeah. It has action behind it. And Jesus walked around not just welcoming people, he helped people in their times of need and he expects us to do the same. So if we identify a need, go to the church leaders, come to me. Well, speak to us about it. We'll do our best to address that need as a church. Yeah. It's nice to know what the needs are. And sometimes you just privately meet a need, and that's great as well. Okay. Well, let's work on that.
God's help. So the gift teller believers, but I would say they're also in this, they're giving to God. This is an act of giving to God, it's an act of worship, of devotion and service to God. It's a directed giving. I'm doing this because God loves me and he's given so much to me and he has taught me to be generous. And that is a biblical principle and a godly principle to give. In this context, even just giving your devotion and service, just being here today, you're encouraging the person next to you. Do you know that? Yeah. How are they giving? Their sole property, their sole possessions. They're giving by being together. Spending time together is a gift from you to someone else. I was at a conference way back when they launched the coffee house. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. And they said, if you're a church of Jesus Christ, the priority for reaching your community is this. Give them your time. Be there for your community. And create ways in which you can be a listening ear and be a friend to people in your community. Because they have doctors, they have nurses, they've got hospitals, they've got psychologists, they've got a TV. Yeah. But they need a friend that loves them. A Christian friend who loves Jesus and can show God's love to them. And the big, they actually said the biggest gift a church and an individual Christian can give to your community is your time. So that's a wee healthy challenge to us all. Again, I'm not saying this to make people feel guilty, but how are we using our time? And are we using it in the context? How much of our time has been used in the context of helping our local fellowship reach the community? You know, and that's just part of what God has asked us to do. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a burden on us, but it's part of what he's asked us to do. Keep Hager giving, giving, providing love or other emotional no support to other people, caring about them, really caring because God cares about us. Make sense? So ahead. First of all, commitment is a key principle for how we should be in the local church and the behaviour, being devoted, being committed to the cause and to the fellowship. Then we have to community, being together, but not just gathering together, actually striving to have love as our highest goal and to be active in serving one another, giving to God and sharing with each other what we have, providing that emotional support. And lastly, communion. As I said last week, I'm very thankful to John just for spending that time explaining through communion and then before we actually met around the table again together, and you can see here again in verse 46 this principle of breaking bread is also happening not just in the corporate gathering but it's it's also happening in their homes and that's okay as well it's something that believers are asked to do in groups so there's absolutely although you know it's it's, it's normal is what i would say it's not something that can't happen of course it is they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts it's interesting how much a meal helps with things isn't it in community and you read through the scriptures and you find jesus is often ministering to people and there's a meal and it's part of how love is shown by giving a meal isn't it and this church does that from time to time and also we serve in the coffee house we charge as little as possible <laughs> yeah but effectively what are we doing we're trying to be a listening community who loves jesus who's devoted to him, committing to him, 
but we're actually trying to be in the community as well. On a day-to-day -day basis, not just once a week. So, nothing particularly more to say about that, but just to say that's good and it's a model for us to, to follow with sincere hearts, so we really mean it. Just conscious of time here, I'm okay. Um, and then we're praising God. Praising, directing our worship to God. Yeah. What's the result of these conditions being right? Well, they're enjoying the favour of all the people in their, in their community. And the Lord's choosing to add to their number daily those who are being saved. So it's interesting when the conditions were healthy and people were applying the principles I'm speaking about today and really sincere with the sincere mean that I'm not faking it. I'm doing it because I really do love God. I do love you. And I'm trying my best to allow the Lord to work through me by his grace. And that causes a massive impact and the Lord's pleased and more people are added and are believing. Key behaviour is when we're meeting together, it's always like this act of worship. It's always this upward call. We're coming for God and we're worshiping together. And worship is a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration to God. God is holy and in our sinful state, we could not connect to God. It's only because Jesus gave the price for our sins that through faith in him, we can be truly forgiven and our sins are washed away. Now, again, I heard that since I was a wee boy. But you know what? There are folks there all around us here who have never heard that. I saw someone this morning who actually, I, I took a second look and I thought it was somebody, but it wasn't the somebody because the somebody I was thinking about had passed away tragically. And um, it just reminded me, and I'm not saying this because of me, it reminds me that time, time is short and we need to take the opportunities we have in our local community because there are folks dying. There's folks in tragic circumstances and it's not something to be guilty about, but we should be active. Yeah. How will they hear unless someone's saying? How precious are the feet of those who carry good news? I preached that or spoke it out as verses to the church in the first meeting we had in the Pivot Centre many years ago, and it's still true today. And where do feet go? You walk. Where do you go when you walk? You go out. And I really believe, I, I do believe that there's, that there's, a, that there's a new, there are a lot of things changing in our, in our world today. And one of the things that's changing is people are not coming to church. But the principle was never invite people to a meeting. The principle was go. Jesus says, go. I'm sending you and he sent them out in twos. He sent them out walking, doing a circuit of all the towns and villages and chatting on doors. And I'm not suggesting, <laughs> again, I've said this in a message not too long ago. Some people have big signs up now regularly saying, do not chat on the door. So we actually need to rethink even that. And what I find is just walking down the street, whenever I do do it, there's usually, there's somebody at a bus stop and there's somebody walking around. And I think that's probably the more likely conversations that you will have. In fact, somebody actually came to me that I'm not naming the church recently and said, I think it'd be really good if we just went around walking and praying. You know, not, not like mad, you know, praying to ourselves and just prayerfully walking and just seeing who we bump into. And I said, I think there's a lot in that. I think there's an awful lot in that. We used to do prayer walking on a Wednesday night before every service and we had so many encounters with people. 
positive conversations with folks in the streets. Something we can all do, we don't even need to organise it. Just go and walk. Bridge is the best walker in Rudisburg. <laughs> yes. I was talking to Reggie about I was talking to Reggie if he remembers about this not too long ago, just the as he's out walking, I really believe those are some of the most precious opportunities that we have. And that's if, again if we read the Bible, what is happening in the Bible? Jesus is going about the towns and villages. He calls them and he sends them out with the command go. So I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at myself, but I don't want to look down the street and see something that reminds me of someone and then think that I've done more. Was I making myself available? You know? This is not to be guilty in any way, but I'm just trying to encourage us. Let's be the best version we can be for this community. Yeah? In a church that loves God and each other. The principles of our own personal commitment to the Lord and to a local fellowship that loves Jesus. Being a community, not just being in a place, but actually caring about each other. Genuine, sincere. Having communion with God, not just aimlessly coming, going through emotions <laughs> or enjoying a famous preacher and nice, nice songs, but connecting with God and enjoying Him and loving each other. With the principles behind it, the behaviours behind it of devotion. I am devoted, I, I am committed. I'm going to regularly do this. I'm going to regularly commit myself to, to be there, to be in the church gathering, to connect with God and to other people. I'm going to not just be there, but I'm going to be active in, in community. I'm going to be giving of my time and my, listen to people's problems and do my best in, in Jesus' name to help. And in worship, everything we do, we keep God number one. And it just helps balance everything, doesn't it? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this fellowship here. I thank you for this privilege that it is to speak about Jesus. A privilege that it is to speak his name and to explain the good news about him. I pray that everyone listening to this message might know Jesus as their personal saviour, might really understand who he is, what he's done, and is asking to be a lord of your life. That's how you do it. Pray something like this. Father God, I love you. I believe that you're real. I believe that you sent your son Jesus, fully God and fully man, to this earth to live a perfect life, that he never sinned, that he went to a cross in Calvary because it was part of your plan to save me because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life through Jesus. And Father, I pray that you help me understand it personally, help us understand that more, make it real to us. And also that Jesus rose again, on the third day, conquering the power of all sin and hell and the grave and appeared to the disciples in many ways and times 
telling them the good news. Then go to be with God the Father and sending God the Holy Spirit and saying, you'll have this gift of God in your life. For everybody that trusts in Jesus, God gives his Holy Spirit to us. God within us, changing us to be more like Jesus and more like God's character. So Father, I do pray we really will fully understand it more and also share this with folks that we're meeting who don't know. I do pray that folks will be encouraged, Father, today, just spurred on, encouraged to not give up in the good work and being a Christian and being obedient. So we thank you, God, in Jesus' name.